Traveling life's highways, many dangers abound. Pitfalls surround us with sin all around. The good shepherd watches, he cares for his sheep, removing the danger, his fold he will keep, his kind gentle hand has shown me the way, protecting and leading from day unto day. Without his direction, oh, where would I be? The good shepherd leads me snares I can't see. Amen, church. My youth filled with folly, I recklessly trod, rejecting my teaching and straying from God. But somewhere in the shadow, the good shepherd stood. In mercy he kept me as only he could. His kind, gentle hand has shown me the way. Protecting and leading from day unto day. Without his direction, oh, where would I be? The good shepherd leads me through snares I can't see. The good shepherd leads me through snares I can't see. Can somebody praise the Lord with me? Oh, yes. He is the good shepherd. He is the great shepherd. Open your Bibles to the book of Psalm, chapter 23, and stand with me to reverence the reading of God's Word. Psalm, chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures he leadeth me beside the still waters he restoreth my soul he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for thou art with me thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. Father, in the name of Jesus, for the next few minutes, help me to preach your word in such a way that would exalt the great shepherd. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. You can be seated in God's presence. Today I want to just simply preach on the great shepherd. Hallelujah. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. You need to take ownership of him. God owns it all, but you know what he did? He gave himself for you and to you. And you can claim him as your own. Amen. Know assuredly, child of God, that if you've been washed in the blood of Jesus, he is indeed your shepherd. This means that he watches over you. This means that he has good intentions in mind for you. Don't let the devil trick you into believing that God no longer cares for you simply because you are in lack or under attack. He is there and he is working either on the scene or behind the scene to his glory and your advantage. But own him as your own. He is mine and I am his, the Lord is my shepherd. And as a consequence, as a result, I shall not want. I, I love the prophetic implications of this verse. I shall not implies uh, uh, not only a present tense reality, but a future tense reality. In those moments in life when you practically speaking are suffering loss, when you are practically uh, experiencing what you might define as lack in your life. It is not that the good shepherd is not doing his job. It's just that he is ensuring and equipping safe passage regardless of the wolves that seek to do harm. Amen. Uh, I know that he will watch you, he will guide you, and he will protect you. There are temporary moments in your life. There are seasons in your life uh, that you will feel like you've been abandoned, that you will feel like that you have been forgotten. But don't forget one thing. While you may feel like you're distant from the shepherd, the shepherd may simply be focusing on shielding you and protecting you from the wolves. And you might be in a whole lot worse shape now than you are had he not been watching you the entire time. Somebody look at your neighbor and say it could be worse. Amen. It could be worse. You need to be thankful that you're still here. You need to be thankful that you're still in the fight. You need to be thankful that God has still been good in spite of some of the loss, in spite of some of the hurt. Somebody just needs to rejoice with me this morning that the Lord is, in fact, your shepherd. Amen. Don't let the devil lie to you and make you think that God has forgotten about you simply because there's a struggle. The reason that he is your shepherd is because there are wolves. There is the existence of the enemy. And you need to be reminded of that. Amen. This morning, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Uh, when God gets done with it all, I'm going to be made perfectly whole. 
I'm going to be perfectly supplied for. I'm going to be perfectly at peace with him. If I'm not there yet, that is his end goal and objective. And he knows how to get us from uh, treacherous cliffs uh, to green pasture and still water. Just let him guide you and he'll get you there one way or the other. You need to declare over your life this morning, I shall not want. I may be lacking this morning, but give God time to work. I'm not going to stop believing him. I'm not going to stop serving him. I'm not going to give up on my faith. I'm not going to give up on my church. I'm not going to give up on my walk with God because God ain't done yet. Amen. He that hath begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I'm just glad to say to you that he is everything he ever said he was and a whole lot more. I have no complaints. I have no songs, sad songs to sing this morning. I present to you the great shepherd who is faithful to everything that he has promised this morning. Somebody shout amen. Woo! Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Mm. He maketh me to lie down. Look at his care for us. Have you ever had God to put you in a forced rest? All right. Uh, no response. <laughs> uh, let, let, let me remind you of that last anxiety attack that you had. Let me remind you of that last uh, uh, zone where you could not find a worry-free zone in your heart. <laughs> Let me remind you of that last season where you're so, uh, uh, your nerves are so tore up. Uh, did he not at some point calm your spirit and say, well, just rest in me? We, that sometimes the Lord has to still us. Uh, you're praying he'll calm the storm around you, but he's wanting to calm the storm inside of you. Amen. Sometimes he makes you lie down uh, in green pastures. We're fighting and clawing and trying to protect ourselves from the wolf and we think that we're going it alone sometimes and sometimes God has to force us into green pasture and say just be still and know that I am God amen let me rise up and help you sometimes he makes us rest I remember a lady back years ago probably oh it's probably been 25 years ago uh, who was forced into a physical rest she worked so much that the doctors told her, if you don't slow down, you're going to kill yourself. Forced her into bed rest for weeks. And then slowly acclimated herself back into work life. Aren't you glad that God knows where your breaking point is? Aren't you glad to know that before hell does you in, God says, enough! Let him rest a while. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but somebody needs to know that God knows your breaking point. And he will enter, if you'll just give it to God and trust him, he can intervene and he can stop uh, the, the hound dogs of hell from doing you in. Amen. Uh, he can stop it all and he can put you into green pasture and still water. Mm. Oh, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures, greenery, life. Amen. He leadeth me beside the still waters. They say that sheep are so skittish that uh, they will not drink from swift water. It makes them nervous and scared. Amen. And, and isn't it just so kind and gentle of the shepherd to bear that in mind? Oh, they drink from this water. It's too, uh, it'll make them nervous. And even though he could say, 
the water's water no matter how it comes. Uh, he's so gentle to, to care for uh, and, to, and to be gentle with you and I. Amen. Sometimes, uh, like his disciples uh, had a lot to learn, so do you and I. And he would say to us, like he said to his disciples, many things I have yet to say unto you, but you're not yet able to receive them. Sometimes the good shepherd has more water for us, but sometimes he has to lead us to pools he knows that we're able to receive from so that we don't self-destruct in our own spirit of fear have God ever led you or tried to lead you into a place uh, where you can take a drink from heaven but it made you nervous listen you can trust the good shepherd he knows exactly where the feeding trough is he knows exactly where you should could can and will be if you'll follow his voice amen trust the good shepherd he's a great shepherd he knows exactly what he's doing amen he restoreth my soul I need to remind you that his end objective is restoration. He said, I came not for the righteous, but for sinners. They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. If you're sick this morning, what do you think he came to do? Make you worse or make you better? Amen. He is our great physician. He restoreth our soul. Understand this, if you, if you get the heartbeat of God, you will under this, understand this concept more than anything else. That God is a God of restoration. And if we did ministry like God does ministry, then we would make it our end goal to restore, not to destroy. Are you hearing me? And you need to know, Jesus said, uh, uh, he came not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now here's the reality of it. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That doesn't mean that all will come to repentance. And it doesn't mean that all will be restored. Because God has, in his sovereignty, set it up so that we must cooperate with him through faith. God, as a perfect gentleman through the Holy Spirit, will not force the green pasture and the still waters upon you. Amen. You must adhere to his guidance to get there. And I think we need to be reminded of this sometimes. We get in such a frantic and a panic. And a tizzy and, and religious mode of operation, like almost like a machine. We got to do this and we got to do, and we go into trying to fix things ourselves, and we ain't even healed ourselves. But we try to get the mode out of our brother's eye when we got a log hanging out of our own eye. And God wants to restore us so that we can see clearly from His heart how to be a part of His restoration process in the hearts of others. A sheep life is an interesting life to study. Sheep are very easily misled. You remember where Jesus said, uh, it was prophesied of Jesus actually, that uh, they shall smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. Sheep often, when, the, when they no longer hear or see the shepherd's voice, actually sheep can barely see, so they have to listen for the voice. And that's a beautiful picture of what it means to live by faith and not by sight you're not going to see it you'll hear it before you see it amen the faith life is the equivalent of see hearing before seeing 
you got to hear him say it. Because sometimes we're so blinded by circumstances. We're so limited in our scope. We're on the earth. He's above. And he can see the end from the beginning. And all we can see is maybe the nose on the end of our face. We must listen for the shepherd. He knows the dangers that are ahead. And sheep are often misled. If uh, they can't hear or see the shepherd, they'll follow the next sheep. And the whole herd could run off a cliff before they even realize what happened. Sheep life is, and, and may I say it's much the same way in churches today. Uh, you know, this is a good way to keep us humble. The Lord refers to us as sheep. Before we think we're too smart or too bright, God reminds us that all we like sheep have gone astray. That we have the propensity to go astray without His voice. and without His, That's why we constantly preach and teach and promote the word of God, the voice of God for mankind, amen, the written word forever settled in heaven and delivered to earth for you and I to consume. If we don't stay in this book, we'll go astray. Churches run off cliffs all the time because they stopped listening to the great shepherd. Sometimes they've ended up putting hirelings in the pulpit who are in it for a paycheck instead of in it for representing the heartbeat of the great shepherd. Amen. And as ravening wolves, they'll only stay as long as the money's good. But you dry up the brook for them and they're gone and nowhere to be found. But God give us some under shepherds that will fight for the sheep at all costs if that's what the great shepherd instructs him to do. Amen. And sheep have got to be willing to listen to the shepherd. Amen. Isn't that good stuff? And if we'll listen to him, we'll look at what happens. Verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you, say, you might say, well, I don't think God will lead you through a valley of the shadow of death. Oh, that's where you're wrong. In fact, he, he already went ahead of you. He done, he done paved the way. You remember, it's called Calvary. Yeah, yeah. He's familiar with the valley of the shadow of death. Amen. He went through it himself and came out on resurrection morning, bright as the sun, so that he went ahead for us, so that when we walk through that valley of the shadow of death, we have no need to fear. Isn't that wonderful? Ah, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. They come from me. I touched a little bit on this last week, but let me elaborate. For just a moment. There's a rod and there's a staff. It's one instrument used for two different roles. Amen. It's, you remember the shepherd's staff that's got a hook on the end of it? Y'all know this probably. Uh, but the hook is the end he uses to maybe rescue a sheep from falling off the edge of a cliff, pulling them back up to safety. And then the rod, they say sometimes if they got a particularly... As a matter of fact, I heard this from... Uh, Ralph Sexton Jr., Dr. Ralph Sexton Jr. pastors a church in Asheville, North Carolina. He's been to Israel many, many times, and he learned a lot about shepherds and sheep life over there. And, and he told me, or he told in a sermon that I listened to one time, uh, that often if they had a stray sheep that was prone to wander, and he was constantly having to chase after that way, uh, wayward sheep, he would 
eventually have to take that rod of correction and break its legs so that it would not be able to wander. And then he would carefully and gently uh, reset those broken legs and bandage them so that they could heal back. And he would hold that sheep at night while they rested and hold the the, the sheep's head to his chest so that that sheep could hear the heartbeat of the great shepherd. Amen. And, and he said, uh, almost without fail, once the sheep had ever undergone that, uh, what seemingly was a cruel process of correction, it never wandered far from the shepherd again. And you think God's trying to inflict pain upon you. And you think God's being mean to you by not giving you whatever you want. Uh, but little do you know uh, how far from the truth that is. He's trying to get you to learn that your only chances of survival is to stay in the presence of your great shepherd. Uh, quit running from the presence of God. Uh, quit running from a church that loves you, uh, that tells you the truth. Uh, quit running from people that love you too much to let you go on uh, without bringing some correction into your life uh, to what raise the flag and say hey stop uh, you're headed for a cliff amen but in a sheepfold life uh, if we're not careful the the devil can send in ravening wolves to attack the shepherd and the sheep could scatter and it happens in churches all the time where the one person that God has raised up to be the under-shepherd, becomes the attacked one. And the sheep get confused sometimes, and they begin to blame the great shepherd for the problems of the wolves. Selah. Be careful who you listen to in this thing we call church. The devil is very sly and slick, and he will have you eating the preacher for lunch, amen, because he dared represent the heart of the great shepherd for your good and for God's glory, and then people end up rising up against the one that God is trying to bring healing through. You get, are you with me? Say amen. Yea, though I walk. He said, thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, and I... I've been perplexed by this. I, uh, recently I heard the Lord saying, uh, love those who aren't hungry, feed those who are. And I thought I was fixing to just go into pure feed mode. Then I found myself correcting again. And the Lord said, you can't have one without the other. If you're going to feed the sheep, you're also going to have to fight off the wolves. You can't do one or the other, you've got to do both. Because anytime you lay out a feeding trough for the sheep, guess who's lurking around the shadow trying to find a way to get in to keep you from getting what God sent me to give you. And so sometimes I have to sound the alarm. And sometimes it's unpleasant and it makes the sheep nervous when they hear the snarling growls of the wolves as they're fighting the shepherd, the under-shepherd, as he's trying to ward off that wolf-like spirit that comes to devour what God's trying to do. We don't like it, and it's uncomfortable and makes us nervous. But let the great shepherd guide the under-shepherd in fighting off the wolves and pray for protection and safety and be willing to follow the voice of the shepherd. 
And how do you, he said, my sheep know my voice. How do you know the voice of God right here? Amen. Right here. You'll know I'm off if I'm out of this book. If I ever get off, fire me immediately. Amen. And find you somebody that will get up and do it better and preach it better than I could. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We all must be held accountable to this book. And, and, and I'm offended at this generation for having the audacity and the carelessness to think that we could rewrite this book and make our own laws. Amen. That we would dare assume that we know a better path to greener pasture than the great shepherd who's already showed us the way. How arrogant. Oh, you may have, you may end up in greener pasture, but you'll find out it's astroturf. You'll find out it's artificial. You'll find out that it doesn't bring nourishment to the soul. You'll find out that eventually you will starve spiritually trying to feast off a man-made, fabricated religion that has nothing to do with the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Oh, I'm glad that I have a great shepherd who's willing to call out a false prophet when he sees one, who's willing to call out heresy when he sees one, who's willing to warn you against doctrines of devils when they try to creep into the church. Amen. I'll tell you how great a shepherd Jesus was. He had the innate ability. <laughs> Woo, this is powerful right here. You remember when Peter, uh, when, when the Lord asked his disciples, whom do men say that I the son of man, Ammon. Some said you're Elijah. Some said well, you're one of the prophets, yada, yada, yada. Jesus said, but whom, whom do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And, of course, Jesus said only the Father could have revealed that to you. In that same passage, just moments later, <laughs> the same Peter who spoke revelation from heaven also ended up speaking a lie from hell because Jesus began to tell them I'm fixing to be crucified and, and I'm going to come up again third, and, G, and, and Peter said that ain't going to happen and Jesus looked right at Peter he actually looked right through Peter and said get thee behind me Satan that's what he did I'm not picking you up I'm not picking you amen Thank you for being a good participant. Amen. Get thee behind me. So he wasn't calling Peter Satan as much as he was, he was addressing Satan who was speaking through Peter. But he needed Peter to understand he just became a mouthpiece for Satan. And a great shepherd has, ha, needs to have the ability... To look at somebody who has good intentions, but bad, uh, or good, yeah, good intentions but bad methods, and say you are representing the devil, whether you know it or not. Amen. Because sometimes we don't know. Peter had the motives of a champion, but the methods of a tramp. Amen. He was, he, was, he was thinking. He was doing Jesus. I mean, he wanted to fight to the death for the preservation and protection of Jesus. Good motive, but he, had, he was very shallow in his understanding. And you can have the right desires 
and go about it the wrong way because you don't have the fuller picture. And sometimes I get the daunting task of informing you if I see God wanting me to address something that some of us may have had the right motives in mind but the wrong methods in mind. When that happens, listen to what the great shepherd is saying and don't get angry at the under-shepherd if he speaks truth and love. Be thankful that you have a shepherd that can detect a wolf spirit speaking for a gentle soul. Because I, I don't for a second think that Peter was Satan. And I don't for a second think anybody in this building has any ill motive in mind. But I know the devil enough to know that he'll use good people to say stupid stuff to sow discord among the brethren. Amen. And there needs to be a level and a depth of spiritual understanding and perception to where we're willing to have those hard conversations and recognize if or when we're being a ploy of the devil to do the devil's bidding. We can't allow the devil to use us as mouthpieces. Amen. So I encourage you to stay close to the heartbeat of the shepherd. And ask yourself the tough questions. Am I really hearing the voice of the shepherd? Because sometimes we can be so right in our motor, but so wrong in our method. Oh, that God would open us an understanding this morning. Now, Jesus, you want to know how to detect a wolf? You want to know how to detect a wolf spirit in the church? Okay? Let me attach this principle where Jesus said, you shall know a tree by the fruit it bears. Okay? Not by its root, but by its fruit. All right? Uh, do we have any fake plants in here? Yeah, we got one right down here. All of them. <laughs> uh, none of them have fruit on them, by the way, I don't think. Uh, well, anyway, a close inspection of this plant under this table, and you will find real, real quickly that it's artificial. Mm -hmm. Doesn't even have roots, right? Okay. If we had... Uh, if we had trees up here to use as illustrations, uh, we could have a fake one sitting beside a real one, maybe an apple tree, right? Okay, Jesus said you shall know the tree by the fruit it bears. If a tree is bearing apples, guess what kind of tree it is? Okay, it's an apple tree. If, a, uh, if someone's attitude in the church, whether well-meaning or not, is producing discord is that a wolf spirit or is that the spirit of god all right you shall know a tree by the fruit it bears sometimes we can bear the fruit of the enemy without even thinking about it just by running that mouth loose just let it run you're bearing fruit that makes it look like you're a mouthpiece of the devil and you shall know a tree by the fruit it bears God has revealed to me that this is one of the problems that most of the churches today, if not every one of them, fight from time to time is a wolf spirit being given 
a voice. And you can tell it by the fruit that it produces. If it sows contention, strife, sowing seeds of discord and division and opposing the propagation of the gospel of Jesus and shutting down everything that God's trying to do in the church as well-meaning as you are, the end result and the fruit of that is that the gospel does not reach its intended audience. And you have to identify that as the fruit of a ravening wolf come to devour the work of God before it ever reaches another ear. Oh my, the great shepherd knows how to tell the difference. And if we'll listen to him, he'll teach us discernment. So that we're not busy fighting each other, but we're on our knees fighting that devil and praying, God, don't let me become a mouthpiece for Satan and stop what you're doing at the house of God. What is your fruit producing? What, uh, what, what is your methods what kind of fruit are your methods producing? Are they producing uh, fruit under righteousness? Are they producing uh, a, a more powerful ministry? Are they producing reaching more? Or is it producing a shutdown of all things that God could want to do? And the answer to that question will tell you whether or not a wolf spirit is having audience in a church. A devouring spirit. And the great shepherd knows how. In fact, in fact, the Bible says the word of God is quick. It's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And as a discerner of both the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God knows the difference between your thoughts and your intentions. How many of you ever had good intentions but it came out way wrong? How many of you are glad to know that God knows the difference? But how many of you also know that when you do that, you need to correct the record? Amen. Right? I know what I said, but this is what I meant. Let me get this record straight. And I think sometimes a sheep can hear the howling of the wolf. And because we're nervous and afraid, we might start trying to sound like a wolf. To just fit in and preserve ourselves. When we should be Finding the shepherd and going toward him. Protect me, Lord. The only thing that protects you from the wolf is the great shepherd. Amen. Let's read on verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Mm, this is so good. God will not eliminate your enemies, but he will prevent them from destroying you. Amen. If you want a, a carefree, crossless Christian existence, that is not going to happen. If you want an easy street church to attend, you're at the wrong place. They may have some they fabricated to make it just as easy and comfortable for the Christian as possible. But I doubt the sincerity or effectiveness of a version of Christianity that eliminates the cross. That removes the fight. And we got to be careful not to fight each other. Because you're not my enemy. Whether you don't like the way I preach or not or do or whatever, I'm not your enemy either. I love you too much 
to pat you on the back and to say, it's, it's just, is it all going to be okay? Amen. I got I to gotta be the under-shepherd as the great shepherd guides me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Wait till God follows up. <laughs> God knows how to wrap it all up and put a pretty little red bow on top. Goodness and mercy. Amen. You say it's pretty rough right now, preacher. Just give God time. Just give him time. He can turn a, a, a mucky situation into something that brings him magnificent glory. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. It may not be here yet, but it's a coming. <laughs> All the days of my life. I like to say it this way. There's not a day that will go unaccounted for. Amen. The darkest days. The hardest days. The most difficult days. Every one of them. If you'll give it to the great shepherd, he knows how to turn it all around and bring himself maximum glory. And bring you maximum good for his cause. He said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I believe there's a prophetic picture of that place that we come to know in Christ. Where we live in the presence of God uh, with the person of the Holy Spirit through the shed blood of Christ. Amen. Living in the house of the Lord. Did you know you're a tabernacle of the Most High God? If you're saved, He doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. He lives in you. And He lives in me. And we can live in His presence constantly if we so choose. And David said, that's where I want to be, right there in the house with the great shepherd. Because I'm safe. With him, he knows how to ward off the wolves. He knows how uh, to detect the wolves from the spirit, uh, from the spirit of God. Amen. Now, let me read you one more thing. I call this leading while bleeding. God has called me, and is preparing me in part to uh, befriend, encourage, and support other pastors and by the way the reason I'm sharing this with you I need you to see an important part of my heart and focus in ministry if you're to understand the pastor God has sent you okay but I think this is a very transparent piece that the Holy Spirit has led me to write that I think I need to share with you at this moment to give you greater insight into the comparisons between the sheep life and the wolf life Okay, one of the realities that all of God's pastors live with is that they must lead even while bleeding out. One preacher said, whatever causes you to bleed is your cross you must bear. And so it happens to all of us with varying degrees of intensity and severity. My honor this morning to have Brother Tim Batchelor here with us, uh, who is our association director. Our uh, what's your title these days? <laughs> Associational missionary. Thank you. And he would tell you if I gave him the time that what I'm telling you is spot on. Struggles that pastors face. Uh, what never ceases to amaze me are the different types of responses 
from the congregants when they see the blood of their pastor. Some faint. That's right. At the height of another man's blood, they become incapacitated to do anything about it by simply checking out. They leave and that's it. So much for any first aid care from this one. Y'all know the type that passes out when they see blood. Amen. All right, some faint, some fuss. Instead of helping their shepherd with the injury, uh, they light into berating him for having gotten injured in the first place. A critical spirit rises up which signals their belief that pastors should never end up vulnerable enough to bleed out to start with. This is a blame game thought process which takes on a cruel response which essentially says, well, he brought it on himself. He should have fill in the blank and he wouldn't be bleeding in the first place. But fussing never stops the bleeding, only lets it continue without a desire to offer help. Some fear just the sight of blood provokes fear so that all they want the pastor to do is cover it up so they don't have to see it. Maybe if we ignore it, it will resolve itself. This spirit of fear causes them to freeze up because of the potential liabilities. For instance, what if while we try to help stop the bleeding the wolf attacks us. Shepherd, cover your wounds and hide them from the wolves and from us and all will be well is the attitude. But the question is, will it really be well? Some fake it. Against the sheep, excuse me, amongst the sheep are wolves in sheep's clothing pretending to be sheep but thirsty for blood they actually hope the shepherd bleeds out to the benefit of their agenda but they are covert operators that has come from hell who are not easily detected until you catch them lapping up the blood of the shepherd with sheer pleasure you can detect the wolf spirit in the church when deliberate bleeding of the shepherd is not only allowed but aided and enhanced in hopes for the death of the shepherd. And then some fight. God occasionally raises up sheepdogs who will aid the shepherd in protecting the flock and protecting the shepherd from the wolves. My prayer today is that God will protect his shepherds as they protect his real sheep and defend them from the real wolves. Pray for protection and power and that God will raise up sheepdogs to aid them in their fight for survival and thriving. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, as I pen those words, I believe being at least in part inspired by the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying I wrote a new part of the Bible, 
But I felt like the Lord laid this on my heart. You get what I'm saying when I mean that. There's no extra biblical revelation here. But it's all in line with the scripture. Are you with me? Say amen. I believe that it's imperative that we understand these dynamics in a church setting. Amen. Because what God wants to do is something the enemy is always dead set against. And he will use the weakest link to create the biggest stink. Don't be that weak link. Understand the depth of this battle. The spiritual depth is far beneath the surface at this point. Away with surface Christianity. Just doing little quick patch jobs because we don't want to do the hard thing and admit our wrongdoings and repent and revitalize the church as the Holy Spirit would lead. The only thing more devastating than a church being turned upside down and reorganized under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost is for them to remain the same and die a slow, cruel death. And God's children say amen. Surely, goodness and mercy, and this is my heart's cry, understand that when the great shepherd leads the under-shepherd to administer correction, and or feeding. That it is the heartbeat of God to bring us goodness and mercy. And what we think we're losing, and we think we're going to be devastated by the loss, is actually saving our very existence. Everybody stand to your feet, every head bowed and every eye closed. Amy or someone is going to come play a song of invitation. And I want to ask you to just listen for the voice of the great shepherd this morning.